listening to Rut Thoughts, a podcast devoted to the Jesus of the Scriptures, His cosmos-shaking good news of the kingdom, and the Father's eternal purpose in Him. You will hear testimonies, stories of the God of all creation at work in ordinary lives. You'll be presented with the grace and truth in Jesus. Get ready for the adventure. Father, we thank you, Lord, for this time that we can have together. Father, we thank you for the opportunity that Jerry and I had to um, walk the Camino and uh, the blessings that we received from it. Now, as we share our um, <clears throat> time on the walk, um, give us your wisdom, give us your insights that we say and um, talk about um, the things that will uh, impress others and to show that um, you are part of the trail and um, there are blessings to be received as you walk the Camino. Thank you in Jesus name. Amen. Amen. So guys welcome to Rough Thoughts. This is John and I have my wonderful friends uh, Jerry and Randy here. They um, walked this amazing path, the Camino. In uh, Where was that at? It's, uh, it's in Spain, it's Camino Francais, yeah. Mm-hmm. In Spain. And they're here to share their story. So I'm just going to let them have at it. And uh, this is a privilege. So <clears throat> hope you guys enjoy. The uh, Camino Francais, which is uh, Camino means, the Camino means way in Spanish, and Francais is French, so it's the French way. Um, but it's a 1,200-year-old um, Christian pilgrimage trail and um, there aren't just Christians that walk it now but there are many different people that walk the trail to get a different perspective on life or to refresh you know um, their life basically because there are people that walk it that have burdens they may have lost loved ones they may have may have be going through a divorce or you know there's many different um, reasons why people walk the trail and um, it's 500 miles long um, and uh, Camino Francais there's about six different ones across Spain um, one that a couple that start in Portugal others that start in southern Spain but the Camino Francais is the most well-traveled it's the uh, one where majority of the people walk it starts in southern France um, in St. Jean, Jean Pied de Port um, which is about seven, eight miles from the Spanish border. And um, it's not easy to get to. <laughs> it's easy to start walking from, but Jerry and I flew into Barcelona. Um, other people flew into Paris. And then we took a train to Pamplona. And then we took a hair-raising taxi ride <laughs> for an hour through the Pyrenees. Um, What usually is an hour and a half ride, our cab driver got us there in an hour. And so um, it was uh, a wild ride, but uh, we made it safely to St. Jean. And um, um, we stayed at hostels all along the way. It took us 33 days, uh, average about 15 miles a day, and we stayed at hostels. Um, I think the most important or positive thing that we had decided to do was that we um, 
reserved our hostels in advance um, because when we got there we found out that if we hadn't then there would probably be a number of nights where we wouldn't have had a room because the uh, the trail was crowded at that point wow. and so um, St. Jean is on at the base of the Pyrenees and um, as they say the first day is the hardest because it's 15 miles uphill wow. uh, with really no breaks in uphill. Wow. Um, there is, there's a small hostel, uh, not really even a village, but they call it Orison, which is about five miles after you leave St. Jean. And uh, many people in the end um, stopped there because they didn't realize the intensity of the walk uphill. Um, but it's there's there's two routes out of St. Jean. There's, there's the first one is the Napoleon route, which goes up into the Pyrenees. That's the one that goes uphill. Then there's um, another one. It starts with the V. Val per se or Val. Yeah, but it splits in town. And you, that one follows the river, so it's an, it's an easier walk until you get about two miles, and then you, then you have to go uphill. But there's people that take that. It's not as scenic, but uh, you can take that one to avoid the uh, uphill uh, that you take in, in the Pyrenees. Um, the uh, hostels, there's, there's public hostels, which is you don't reserve. When you get to the town, you try to make sure that you're you're there early enough so that you can get a bed. The first come, first serve. Yes. Yeah. If you get there too late, there's no beds. Wow. And uh, the fun way they do it is that you don't stand in line. You set your backpack by the person that's ahead of you, and you you get in by backpack. Oh wow. And so you hope your backpack doesn't match somebody else's. Oh, but, but that's how you get in. They're, they're just lined up and you just wait. But we got, when we reserved, we got um, private, they're called private hostels. Mm -hmm. They're similar to the public hostels, but they're smaller. Mm -hmm. And so you don't get, you know, 50 people in a room. Right. We did have, a couple times, have close to 50 people in, in the rooms. Um, um, but um, really, no concerns at all. Everybody was always friendly. Everybody had a good time. Um, That's good. So um, along the trip, uh, so you, the first hostel you stayed at, where was that? It was Roncesvalles. Roncesvalles. Um, okay. As we as we say in English, Roncesvalles, because <laughs> the double L is they say is wise over there. But it's the only building there in town and it's an old monastery oh wow and it houses about 150 we thought about 150 pilgrims so it was very large did you have any problems getting there or get, get, getting checked in and everything well we there was a line when we, we got we there thought we were going to have problems but it turned out we didn't <laughs> yeah because when we got up when we got up um, the um, hostess said we're full and I said, uh, we have a reservation. She goes, but we're full. And I says, well, we have a reservation. <laughs> and she says, well, show me. 
So I took out my, my phone and I showed her, and she goes, well, that's just the picture of our place. I said, well, that's what Pil Pilgrim, the Pilgrim Company sent me because uh, we reserved through a company named Pilgrim. She goes, you reserved through Pilgrim? I go, yes. She said, just a minute. And so she left, came back in a couple minutes. She goes, yeah, we got two beds for you. <laughs> and she, that's when she said, have you booked further on? I go, yes, we have. And she goes, well, it's a good thing you did because there's no beds for 10 days. Man. So the only choice in that instance is you have to find a, a public hostel and get there early mm -hmm. to get a bed in that instance, or you sleep on a bench. Hmm. Now, so. are, are all these different hostels, uh, the ones that are not public, like the ones that you reserve, are they all part of the same company or, or umbrella? Uh, how they're does all, that work? They're all owned separately. Wow, okay. Separate Spaniards mm -hmm. or other people own them. They... they <laughs> Some were new buildings, but some were mm -hmm. just old houses that were fixed up mm -hmm. and and made to house pilgrims with bunk beds and showers and nice. everything. And um, it, some individuals have asked, you know, you know, what happens with if you get bed bugs, you know? And they said there really is no problem with bed bugs on the trail because the all the hostels are inspected. And if bed bugs are found, they're shut, shut down, down. Wow. and cleaned up, and they'll come back and verify that it's cleaned up. And once it's cleaned up, then they, they can reopen. So all hostels are very, very careful not to get bed bugs because when you're shut down, you're losing a lot mm -hmm. of money because oh, you're yeah. shut down. You could be shut down for a couple months. Wow. You know, are so. they pretty clean? Like, oh, um, yeah. we had no. I was I was concerned as to you know hostels. You know, it, I've I've heard lots of stories about right. hostels and how they can be very dirty. Mm -hmm. I was very impressed that that they were so clean. I it, I never got a, a an ill feeling towards even the busier, less. Uh, I mean, the more people. The one, the one place had 48 beds, 24 bunk beds in one big room. Wow. No division, no nothing. You get undressed, you get dressed, right. everybody around you can see you. Uh, community bathrooms, uh, the, the uh, bathrooms were co-ed very private once you got into the bathroom you they had a little tiny area to get dressed or get undressed to get a shower mm -hmm. it wasn't real comfortable because it was so small but but it was private enough to yeah. where you could feel somewhat modest right yeah and people were always appropriate that's you know, good they, respectful and, and everything yeah, but every good. hostel that we stayed in was very yeah. clean Oh yeah, I was very impressed with. And you know, you always you always got the the mattress was was always clean, and they gave you disposable sheets that were packaged in plastic, and you put the sheet on, and and then the cover sheet, and then they always there was always a pillow, and you just put a pillowcase on the pillow. Oh wow! So at at best. At, at the least, I should say, you always had sheets and a pillow. Mm -hmm. And many times they had a blanket. There was maybe five times we used, we had to use our sleeping bags because there right. was no blankets. But, you know, um, 
good deal. And and so when we think about taking things, there's probably things we wouldn't take next time, <laughs> you know. But uh, you know, no problems washing clothes. There's usually a washer and dryer at every hostel if you need to wash clothes and anything like that. Right. Now, um, were the beds pretty comfortable? <laughs> For the most part. Okay. They we, were. We didn't really need comfortable beds because we were tighter, tired <laughs> <Tired> enough <laughs> to sleep anyway. Yeah, I believe it. So, yeah. Yeah, I never noticed that the beds weren't comfortable. Yeah. We usually fell asleep right away. And quiet time at every hostel that meant lights out and you and there is no more talking on the phone or anything it was always 10 o'clock nice but there were always individuals that wanted to go to bed early so if you were in a larger hostel you might get a shh or it's quiet time at nine o'clock you know so we we you know we were very cognizant of that and respectful of other people's time sure you know because if they wanted to go to bed at nine we said fine and we would we would go to bed too it's understandable or, or we would read or something you right. know or um, jerry would put his headphones in and <laughs> <laughs> now um how was did they have charging ports and stuff like yes, that yes okay, by cool. every at most of the sites i would say about 70 percent of the sites you had a plug-in right by your bed. Nice. Uh, about the others, the, the, there would be plug-ins, but they would be across the room. Good deal. Um, now, in the mornings or whenever you guys um, ate, uh, were the restaurants at the hostels or were they like uh, in the town? How did that work? Like, Yeah, they had breakfast every morning at the hostels. Nice. But typically, breakfast was at 7. 7 and, or 7.30? Yeah, so and we would that. always leave by 6 because we always wanted oh. to get an early start. Okay. And some hostels would say, well, you'll just have to get breakfast on the way. And you can get breakfast on the way because, right. you know, you find a town and usually there's a town open, you can get a Danish or a, a sandwich um, or a potato quiche or something. Um, no problems if you miss breakfast. We always, if we knew because we'd get to the hostel, we'd find out about breakfast, and if we knew we were gonna get breakfast, we went to the local market and got some apples, bananas, you know, or, you know, and other things that we could have for breakfast. Absolutely. Now, how were the towns set up along the way? Like, how was that? Like, like was it like stretch of like, like rural area, and then you run into a town, yeah. and then another stretch? Long yeah. stretch of, yeah, mm -hmm. four to five miles of rural, total rural area. Right. And then there were times when we were going through village after village after village. It, you know, yeah. they just it, it just depended on on the area. Mm -hmm. the, uh, the and most of the villages had a bar restaurant in them. Mm -hmm. Some of them had bakeries if we were lucky. Right. And uh, and there, we always checked to see what they had. No matter you know, we we wouldn't have to be hungry to eat some of the Danish rolls. <laughs> so, yeah. So uh, we ate what we wanted to, and we still lost weight. Oh, I believe it. Yeah, they, they, no problems. And if it was yeah. getting close to lunch and we wanted to stop for lunch or something, <clears throat> mm -hmm. uh, it's easy to get a sandwich, yeah. a cheese tomato sandwich. Lots of meat. They, they have a lot of meat mm -hmm. over there, uh, beef, uh, fish, um, pork, uh, chicken, you know, um, and pizza. <laughs> yeah. Did you guys try the pizza? Oh yeah. yeah. It's very good pizza. It's good yeah. stuff. We didn't we had no issues with the pizza cuz that's typically 
what, about every three nights we had to have a pizza because there was not much else. They have what's called pilgrim meals, mm -hmm. anywhere from 12 to 16 euros. And it typically, it, it was in, you had your first portion and your second portion. And the first portion may have been a soup or uh, spaghetti or, you know, some type of meat. And then the second portion was always meat again. So you always got two portions and then you got dessert. And so for the most part, Jerry would eat some meat, but not very much. Right. And we would look at the menu and we'd go, eh, that doesn't look good. Or we'd ask and say, for, for the spaghetti, could you just use tomato sauce? I'd go, well, yeah, sure, no problem. And then they might substitute something different for the second. You know, but uh, you, every hostel had a pilgrim meal. So you definitely, you knew you would get a meal. Mm -hmm. And the, the, that's because in, you, in town, if you tried to go to a restaurant in town, if you did not go to eat by three o'clock, they did not reopen till seven or eight o'clock. Wow. They, nothing. All that time. Sometimes you could find a pizza after three o'clock, sure. but not very often. So you would have to wait till seven or eight o'clock at night to eat, and that was just too late for us to eat. Yeah. And so we try to eat, uh, try to find a restaurant, and try to eat about just a little before three o'clock. Mm -hmm. mm -hmm. You know, For but sure. you know, again, it's 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 your schedule on you know on 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 the walk. You don't have to, you know, if you don't if you want to eat at eight, you can eat at eight. If you want to eat before that. Uh, you you just find it we it's not that we couldn't find anything to eat it's just that a lot of things became similar day after day if you ate, tried to eat at a at a certain time for sure the camino is a self-guided uh walk uh had a friend this week asked me did anybody quit the walk and i said there may have been someone that quit the walk, but we didn't go with the whole group. I just went with a friend of mine. Mm -hmm. We didn't quit the walk, but there may have been some that quit. Uh, but you never walk alone. You always have other pilgrims scattered along the whole trail. Yeah. You, ahead of you, you can see them for miles. You look, turn around, look behind you, they're scattered out behind you as well. Mm -hmm. uh, and everybody goes at a different speed or somewhat different speed. There's always people passing you. There's always people that you catch up with and pass them uh, because you're just walking your own pace. You're not necessarily going with a group, but you are kind of with a group. Yeah, mm-hmm, yeah. Now, um, what was your packing list? What did, what did you bring with you? How heavy was your pack? Well, the number one thing was Vaseline. Yeah. Um, for our feet. For um, sure. We, we, we had read up and we were informed that if you put Vaseline on your feet and um, had the right hiking sock, you would not get blisters. Nice. Um, and we didn't. We put Vaseline on our feet every single morning and rubbed the Vaseline in and put our socks on and that was the number one thing. And we had, what, maybe a two-ounce, little two-ounce jar, and that lasted the full 33 days. He had, Jerry had, I used mine up first. I don't know why, I'm, I guess I was putting more on my feet than you were, but. Wow. But, um, and then um, we each brought an extra pair of shoes because mm -hmm. um, we didn't know what 
500 miles would do to one pair of shoes. <laughs> but we did go through the whole trail um, with one pair of shoes. Wow. And, you know, but it's probably still good to bring along an extra pair of shoes. Mm -hmm. You know, you just don't know uh, anything can happen to the one pair and you don't exactly. want to be left walking barefoot. Yeah. Um, but a change of clothes, um, you know, three or four change of underwear, uh, three or four changes of socks. Um, I think I br we brought an extra pair of pants and a couple extra shirts. We may not have needed to bring all of those because we were able to wash clothes every every three, four, four days. days. Yeah, yeah. You know, so you could wear the same thing for four days and wash them, and but underwear you would need to change sure. more often than that. But um, then rain gear, definitely rain gear. Um, then. Um, um, sleeping bag and, and a sleeping bag liner which yeah. I never did use yeah. the liner that I took yeah and oh, I and yeah. I took a camping pillow and you staying in a hostel you don't need a pillow so I wouldn't take that uh, pack cover for 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 for, for rain um, and we did take blister um, patches just in case you got a blister and um, anything? So about how, how, how heavy were the packs, would you say? Well, they recommend that you don't take more than 10% of your weight. So if you say weigh like 180 pounds, they say don't take any more than 18. Mm -hmm. But we talked to people that were carrying 20, 22 pounds, right. and they didn't, they didn't weigh 200 and 220 pounds. Right. So they were carrying more, mm -hmm. and they were tired. Oh, they were tired. Just imagine. Now we did the route. We wanted to enjoy yes. and take in the walk. Sure. So yes, we probably had backpacks that weighed 15 to 16 pounds, mm -hmm. but we had Pilgrim uh, take them f to each of our hostels. Mm -hmm. We didn't carry the big backpack. Right. And and it was only 170 euros mm -hmm. for 33 days for them to take him to each of the hostels we were staying at Good and deal. they didn't miss a beat every time we got to our hostel our bags were there wow they did not miss a beat and so um so we just had day packs where we carried our water maybe some sure. snacks like bananas and stuff and um and our rain gear rain if we gear, needed yeah. that during yeah. the day we'd look at the forecast uh, make sure it, it was nice not having to take the rain gear because it yeah. it was heavier. <laughs> yeah. And, and so, you know, initially, you know, the people with their backpacks, it looked like, you know, well, maybe we could have carried them, but after seeing people after three or four days hunched over and right looking tired, we said, yeah, we're because after a while, it it you know the weight of the pack, even though you might get used to it is still heavier sure. than what you started yeah you know even though it weighs the same amount of pounds yeah. it just feels heavier and so we totally enjoyed the trail mm -hmm. you know uh, just walking and nodding have to worry about the weight on our back and Smart. i would say i don't know what 50 percent 60 percent of the people were, were had the backpacks i don't know maybe more mm. It's hard to say. I don't know. There, there were a lot of backpacks yeah. that were with ours when yeah. when we switched places. Mm -hmm. So, and there, there were places that we stopped at that um, 
people took their backpacks on and they ask for a transfer tag. Because <laughs> oh, you can get them at any hostel. Yeah. I mean, you can start out with a backpack, but then if you want to transfer to your next place, they always had transfer tags where they said, okay, I'm, I'm, I'm walking light tomorrow. And right. they would fill it out and let somebody else take the bag. But from day one, we were glad we, we uh, especially hiking through the Pyrenees. Yeah. <coughs> and um, hiking through the Pyrenees Mountains that first day, we would hear bells. And uh, there would be horses walking around with bells around their necks. Uh, same with cows. Uh, that first or second day, I saw a cow that was so big, I didn't know cows could get that big. But uh, their, their grass must be very nutritious for them. and steroids. And, uh, <laughs> and yeah, they're, they're big cows. They must be on a completely grass-fed diet. So, oh yeah. yeah, I call them Schwarzenegger cows. <laughs> they're just, <clears throat> you know, but they're just they just roam free, and mm -hmm. so they rather than using GPS to find cows, they still use the bells. Wow, which works works like, very well. You can hear the bells throughout the mountain. You, yeah, you, you know do. there's some livestock out there. Mm -hmm. Kind of makes me want to go like, you know, especially the the talk that they had today about. AI and stuff, it kind of makes me want to go back to the olden days, you know. <laughs> oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, I mean, what, what's very nice about the trail is that you're going through towns mm -hmm. 800, 900 years old. Wow. And the towns are still farming towns. Sure. Where the, the cattle live on the ground floor. They come in at night, the, the families live on the upper floor. Right. They wake up in the morning and take their livestock out to pasture for the day. And, um, and to, you don't see that from a highway. You see it by walking through it. And, um, and uh, the sad thing is, because we, we learned it from a, a Spaniard there saying, well, probably in eight to ten years, that'll be gone because wow. all the kids are going to live in the city so the only people that are left are the parents and mm. they're starting of course they want to retire yeah. and they you know and so um, that life that you see is going to be off the Camino here in about 10 years and the only thing that's going to keep these towns going is the Camino Wow and we could see many towns where there were just buildings for sale where people were just selling to leave and so you can go over there right now and buy whatever building you want in a lot of towns and but you, if you bought it you would have to do something that would relate to the Camino like have a cafeteria or have a, another hostel because mm -hmm. there's never enough hostels on the Camino mm -hmm. um, there's so, always a need for that for sure yeah yeah, it, it what 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 uh, strikes me is how the, the that you know the Camino. It seems like like you said within eight to ten years that it's just going to become a, a historic site, more of a yeah. tr a tourist attraction and less of a of a place to live. You know? Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Like completely touristy. Yeah. 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 That it, it happens. Mm -hmm. At one particular hostel we stayed at, we stayed in. It was a. 200 year old farmhouse 
and uh, when it was built, uh, and and the beams in that house were original and and they were huge, but half the house was barn and half of it was the for the humans, and they had left the feed troughs in the front of the of the barn area, which was very interesting. They had the dining room table right there next to the feed troughs. Yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, just a incredible experience to be able to li uh, stay in a house that was 200 years old. Yeah. Yeah, it reminded of all the old houses we grew up in, especially in uh, in the farms in North Dakota, Minnesota, where you'd walk up the steps and they would creak. You'd, you'd walk across the floors and the floors would creak yep. upstairs. And, and they were leaning a little bit. Right, <laughs> nothing was level. <laughs> I experienced that going up north uh, two years ago or three years ago. I, I went up to uh, Pennsylvania and uh, one of the houses that I was staying in, you go up the stairs and it's wooden and you just hear eh, eh, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep. But that was an experience. It, yeah. it, it, that was really nice. And that was the one place where we each had our own bedroom. <laughs> So, one of the rare times with no bunk bed. There were heaters in all of the hostels that I know of, but none of them were warm. Uh, so they didn't have any heat turned on at all. I don't know if it was just shut off for the summer. Uh, Could have used a little heat in some of them. Some of them, yeah. Because the temperatures were down in the 40s at night, and those old buildings probably not well insulated they were just as cold inside as outside you know that's why it was important to have that extra sleeping bag along to stay warm yeah well but um, you know it, and as far as the trail um, you know you have a lot of ups and downs there there are times when it was perfectly level for mile after mile after mile after mile mm -hmm. you know but um, you know, again, I think what's nice is is that it doesn't get boring because you're you're walking and um, you you come around a corner and there's some new vista or some sure. new scene or there might be a town you're going through that has some unique features, might have a unique church. So you stop and you look at those things. It's not like you're on a trail where you're you know you just keep walking and there's nothing else right there's always something to see on the Camino mm -hmm. um, and it, it's just a wow I mean there was uh, one time we, we were just walking and unexpectedly we turn a corner and here's this beautiful city up on a hill Wow! just we're going we're, we're, it was almost breathless we're going wow we didn't expect that and it just happened time after time on the trail and the the best thing to do is always remember to look back because you turn around and you go, whoa, it's just as beautiful looking back as it was going forward. Um, there was one section that was pretty boring. We were walking, we were just walking through the woods and you couldn't see anything and all you were in trees, you were in trees, and you're walking, and that was about. Although I like that better than the, the straight road for mile after That's mile true. after mile, and, and uh, mm -hmm. ju just walking along a road. Yeah. <laughs> mm -hmm. But the roads have taken over the, the Camino uh, just for necessity to get farm equipment, to get mm -hmm. traffic, 
And uh, so, a thousand, two thousand years ago, or hundreds of years ago, I shouldn't say thousands, uh, it it was just a trail. But since then, you know, they've got we've gotten cars, we've gotten trucks that need to go places. So. Mm -hmm. Uh, they would build a road on the trail, so it just took over the trail. But we still walked it, and and people were very respectful of the yeah. of the pilgrims. I've I very felt very respectful. Yes, uh, they didn't get over much. Uh, the roads are narrow compared to here in the U.S., and uh, so we felt like they just uh, their rearview mirrors didn't miss us by much. But but they always did miss us. Yeah, and the other thing that that makes the day shorter is when you run into people and you start talking. Right. You know, because the beauty of the trail is, is you know everybody has the same goal, and that's Santiago. Yep. And so you already have a connection with all of the people on the trail because, you know, you don't even ask, have to ask them, where are you going, you know? <laughs> You know where they're you going. Just know where they're going. And so you ask that you know you you know you find out their name. You ask them, well, where did you start? And because there's you don't have to start at Saint Jean. You can mm -hmm. start in Pamplona. You can start in Burgos. You can start in Leon. You don't have to do the full 500 miles. You can do it in sections. And um, you know, it, but many times you know along trail, I started in Saint Jean. You know, and oh, when did you start? And they might have started before or after us. And uh, and uh, we would get where they were from and um, sometimes they would tell us why they were taking the trail uh, sometimes they were more quiet about it but you know and this is why I believe God is on the trail mm -hmm. is that we always ran into the people that I believe God wanted us to run into mm. because there's there was no other reason I mean we would we met um, Rocky, Margie, and Sierra on day, day two or two, three. three. I think it was day three. It may have been day three, I think. But, um, you know, they were, they were walking and they introduced themselves. We introduced ourselves. We talked for a little bit and, and um, they, they needed to stop and so we walked on. Well, two days later, we ran into them again. And Rocky was more open about why she was doing the trail. And um, she had gone through some pretty difficult times. And, um, and she, because of those difficult times, she, was, she, said, she told us, she says, I'm agnostic, I'm angry. God wouldn't do to, to anybody, wouldn't allow what happened to me to happen to anybody. You know, death of a husband, death of a niece, you know, all those types of things. Um, but we kept running into them. And I think, what was it, the third or fourth time? And it was after that. Because there was one time she lashed out at us. She was angry. Mm. She, she said, I don't want to talk about this. I, this I'm, I'm done with this. And, but then about, we ran into him a couple, two, three, four days after that. And Jerry said, do you want to have prayer? And she said, yeah, I think I'm ready. Wow. And then we, we kept running into them every right up to the last right day. up to the last day it was incredible and and rocky was a totally different person totally different 
at, at the end than what she was at the beginning. And that's what that happens on the trail. I mean, there was another individual, Peter, from Australia. He was, he was the macho. He was, he, he, he does the, um, the tough things to relieve stress. I've climbed to the base camp of Mount Everest. I've, I've climbed Mount Kilimanjaro, and I'm going to be doing the, com how many days was he trying to do it in? 20 days or something, mm -hmm. you know, 500 miles, 25 miles a day. That's what it was, I'm doing 25 miles mm -hmm. a day. He called us wimps because we weren't carrying our backpacks. Mm -hmm. And um, and all Jerry and I said was, you know, you just you just need to enjoy the trail. Mm -hmm. Ah, I don't have time. I'm finishing June first. I'm heading back to Australia. Go back to work. Sixty-seven. He's still working. And um, he says, I don't know when I'll quit work. And we got we were getting to Santiago June fifth. So I said, well, we probably won't see you again. But you know. If you do slow down, enjoy the trail. We get there June 5th. We're standing in the square by the cathedral. Who's right beside us is Peter. And he said, you're right. I just needed to slow down. I'm, I, it, he says, I can't explain it. He says, I'm, I, feel, I feel different. I know I'm different. And when I get back to Australia, life is going to be different. Wow. You know, so there's something about it that... that and, and, I, and I really believe it's, it's that, that God is on the trail, yeah. but I believe the people that take it, because all the people there are so respectful of the trail, they, and, and they may not be looking for something, but because of those long days of walking, you can't do much else but think and look around and I mean, like Jerry and I, I mean, almost every other day we were talking about creation. Because we see something, yeah. we go, how could evolution say that just happened? Right. You know? Because we're looking and we say, how could that be there? And evolution say it just showed up, you know? And because when you're walking in nature, you just see how there has to be a creator. There, there, there can be no doubt. You know, because there are things that are on that you're walking there on the Camino that you say, evolution can't explain this. You can't explain that. It doesn't just happen. And 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 I think people begin to see that all along the way. So. Absolutely. Yeah. No. And Darwin didn't have the modern science we have today. Right. He was very limited and mm -hmm. just going by observation and, you know. Those were his theories, mm -hmm. so based on what he knew back then. Yeah. If only he lived today. Yeah. <laughs> and then, you know, the, the churches, the cathedrals, they were always very humbling experiences because, um, number one, how could they build these things mm -hmm. a thousand years ago? Um, but when you go inside, it's, you know, they may be large, but... They're, they're very spiritual. They're very awe-inspiring. And, um, you know, people that go in them are very respectful, and so it's very calm and quiet when you go inside. So you can go right. sit in any church along the trail, in any cathedral, and just sit down, and, and you sometimes they have the, the monk choirs singing, mm -hmm. you know, or some classical music, and it's just very peaceful. You know, but there there's a church in every town. 
and um, a lot of them were open. Some were so old that they had to close. But every town we went to, there was a church or, or some, some uh, semblance of a church. It makes me think, a lot of these old church buildings, like these old, basically, um, like, uh, what would you call them, relics, museums, yeah. whatever, it seems like the way they structured, the way they built them, was to somewhat capture that awe, yeah. you know? Like, mm -hmm. they were built in such a way so that when you walk in, and you have that quiet time together with other believers, um, there's that sense of awe and reverence. Yeah. That you kind of like have a God encounter, like kind of on yeah. the trail, you mm -hmm. know, like yeah. it's the same thing. You know? mm -hmm. yeah. They're just trying to recreate it in a smaller environment yes. to try mm -hmm. to capture it in a smaller environment. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. So um, tell me, you know, what, um, what did you learn along the way? I mean, was some things that God has taught, that God has that God was teaching you guys as you were journeying along the path? Uh, I learned on the trail that you got to take the time, you got to give, give God time mm -hmm. to talk to you. We, we can pray to God mm -hmm. and then we say amen and get on with our day. Mm -hmm. uh, but we never, we seldom give God time to to communicate with us. Mm -hmm. We communicate with him, but we seldom give him time to communicate back to us. Mm -hmm. There were a few days, not very many, that uh, Randy and I walked a little ways apart from each other. And uh, most of the time we were walking so we could talk to mm -hmm. each other and, mm -hmm. and enjoy each other's company. But once in a while we'd walk apart from each other and just walk in silence. That's when I found God talking to me most mm -hmm. is when I would just give him time to communicate back with me. Mm -hmm. uh, we have to we have to listen and we have to reflect on what God has done for us and and wait for his answer, wait for his response. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's so important, especially, you know, in our uh, civilized modern western world where we're just surrounded by noise you know surrounded oh, yeah. by mm -hmm. by action and by by uh, busyness and by uh you know constant go 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 you know would, do we ever have time to just get away and, and have that quietness where we can just hear god and even then our our our, our inner dialogue our thoughts are just going and going and going yeah. like an amf on radio at least that's my experience you know yeah. you know and um for me, many things, but you know, uh, what I think of right now is uh, we would leave early in the morning, mm -hmm. and the peace when you're walking. You, the birds are just starting to wake up. Mm -hmm. You know, you might hear a rooster. Well, might hear you will hear a rooster <laughs> crow, and uh, you just hear the. You know the the crunch of the gravel on your feet, and um, you know, and then the sun rises, and you just reminded, you know, again of God, and you know that God's in control. You know that things continue on, and the beauty is there if you choose to to um, listen to it and and to see it, and um, you know, and and. Then the other thing was, um, 
you you do not need much to survive we had our simple backpacks you know our 15 pound backpacks and we were able to get water every day we were able to have a meal every day and we were able to have something over our head every day but we were walking with people that were at that level in real life they might be in a different hierarchy of life but on the trail everybody's in that hierarchy so you don't have to be afraid to walk up to somebody because well they they might be a millionaire or something and you know they might not want to talk to me but on the trail it doesn't matter you're 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 all going in the same direction and you don't need anything more than the shoes and clothes on you and um, and to to survive I mean the simple things in life that God has given us are enough and it made me think a lot and and that's you know where I told God on the trail I said you know yeah I've I've I've, I've been successful God has blessed me but I need to turn that around and do more blessing of others. You know, um, it's just it's just like um, the um, giving talk today about hoarding. <laughs> you know, that poor animal didn't need all that stuff, and we don't need all that stuff. So what do we do with the excess? But I think anybody who would take that trail would say, I've got more than enough. I, 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 you know, you really don't need as much in life as you really have. And um, it, was, it, was, it was just refreshing to know that you can live, you can survive on very little. That's something I learned in the Philippines. As long as it's a Danish. <laughs> <laughs> well, oh, man. We proved that we could survive without them as well. I know. It's more fun surviving with them. <laughs> you know, but, but what? Probably five, six nights. We, mm -hmm. just, we just had a dinner of bread and cheese. Yep. With Fanta. Um, but that was it. Just a, you know, you don't you don't need a five course meal. That bread and cheese was oh. You know, when 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 you walked, fifteen miles, bread and cheese tastes tastes pretty, pretty good. good. Yeah, <laughs> your body will put that to work for sure. Oh yeah, oh yeah. So. Yeah, that's something I learned in the Philippines was, um, you know, I I'm such a city person. And I, and I, um, I was detoxing from the com from the Western comforts, you know, because uh, we were out yeah. in the province, you know, away from everything, and no internet, uh, you know, no no city, no shops, nothing. It, it was just rural, and if and the closest thing was a town with a few shops, and uh, and you know, it just uh, I survived, you know, and mm -hmm. and uh, my best times were when I would go out alone. Uh, hiking the hills by the ocean side mm -hmm. and just hearing nature yeah. worship God. Mm -hmm. And um, sometimes I would try to bring my podcast out there 
and um, listen to some biblical studies out there. Yeah. And but it felt like it was noisy. I just had to shut everything off and just let just just shut up. Yeah. And listen to to nature, worship God, yeah. and join nature in doing that. You yeah. know, like be part of that celebration. Yeah. That that reverence, that awe that nature has for God. You know, mm-hmm. when, when you're in the presence of God. You know, he's and it's very. Uh, that that silence, that 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 hush is so loud. Yeah, it is, it is. You know, and and again, you know, the beauty of the uh, of the Camino is is you c- you can do it your own way. Mm-hmm. I mean, we ran into um, a woman, uh, Don Marie. She was totally on her own. Mm-hmm. No phone, nothing. No computer. She, she was just going to walk it just as the old pilgrims did mm. and if she could find a, uh, a hostel to stay at that's fine if not she was just going to sleep on a bench she mm. was just doing it very old-fashioned you know and you know um, we had our phones and so we could still communicate with the outside world um, but you don't have to i mean if you want to leave leave your phone and do it um, and um, you know and again we reserved our rooms and if you don't want to if you just want to do it cold turkey and many people that did that you know you don't have to follow a, a set plan to do um, the Camino you 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 just decide how you want to do it and you start walking <laughs> I think that 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 resets our the way God designed us, you know, yeah, we do that. It like resets us to the the, the original blueprint yeah. that we're supposed to be at, mm-hmm. you know, in sync with God and right. with with every with everybody and with nature and everything. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, so. and and God pairs you with people on the trail that um, where you bless each other. Yeah, I mean, I've got a whole list of names of people that you know have blessed us and I know I know God through God through us and us through God God through us I don't know how to say that bless them yeah you know because we were supposed to run into them mm-hmm. um, we were supposed to have whatever talk we had and those types of things um, you know because if we didn't get it the first time we ran into them again <laughs> exactly now tell me about uh, what, what was it you guys who were talking about the feeding the horse or something yeah or, yeah mm-hmm. tell me about that um yeah Ro- we we had run ran into rocky margie and sierra again and um uh, we were about two-thirds of the way done pretty close and um we found out that margie had um hurt her knee and she mm-hmm. wasn't able to walk and so she was taking taxis for the next few days to try to heal up her her um, uh, knee mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and uh, so we ran into them we were talking to them you know and um, they were doing well and they told us where they were staying that night we said oh we're four miles behind you so because we're staying in whatever town we were staying in they were four miles ahead of us and um, we said, well, hopefully, you know, they were going to be getting to Santiago a day before us. We said, well, hopefully we'll, we won't know, but if we don't, we, we actually gave each other hugs. Like, well, maybe this we This might see. be our final goodbye. Yeah. And so um, 
we said our goodbyes and everything and uh, Jerry and I woke up early that morning again and started walking and about an hour and a half in um, we were going by this pasture and here was this horse head over the fence and the thought came into my head I still believe it's the Holy Spirit put it there it said feed the horse an apple hmm. Jerry did horses eat apples yeah yeah I don't have an apple so I reached into my backpack because I had a couple apples and I pulled out one and I went over to the horse and and the horse grabbed it and Jerry said is that a pink lady apple and I go yeah he goes no don't get rid of the pink lady <laughs> so the horse bit it in Too half late. and chewed it and I gave it the other half we were there maybe five six minutes and uh, you know um, and then we started walking again and then about hour about an hour and a half later again we came to a, a um, slight jog in the road where the um, it was a small town and the arrow said to just take a slight turn and kind of a left turn but it looked like it went straight on and um, so we're walking through town and um, and we started to go the way the people were walking. well let's make sure that it's not this way so I turned and I took a few steps and I looked to my left and Margie who we had left the night before was sitting there and I w we were surprised to see her because we're saying she should be she shouldn't she shouldn't be there uh, because um, she should be miles ahead yeah. and so I said Margie why are you here she goes well this is where we're staying tonight I said you know Rocky and um, Sierra are, are, should be coming up behind you and we said no we think you're in the wrong place she goes oh, I can't be the taxi the taxi just dropped me off just before you came around the corner and if we hadn't fed the horse that apple we would have missed Margie oh, wow. and so because of that instance we were able to help Margie get another taxi and stay with her until another taxi came um, because she, her, she couldn't get out on her phone she had no single signal and I was at least able to get out and and contact the hostel she was at and communicated that they needed to send another taxi and once she f knew that another taxi was coming she said okay you guys can go now I've held you up long enough and we said no we're staying here until we know that you're in that cab and that's when she said now I know why we ran into you guys you know God puts people together at specific times and so we had a prayer right there you know thanking God for watching over Margie and for us being able uh, to be there because you know if I hadn't turned that corner and if Jerry and I hadn't fed that apple that horse who knows how long she would have been there and and then um, she texted us later that night that that or that afternoon that she had made it and wow. she appreciated it you know but it's just the how little things can lead to where God wants you to be at the right time and this was just a simple little apple you know but but things like that on the trail where we would do something and because we did that we ran into the person we were supposed to run into 
time and again. There was the ice cream, you know. We walked by an ice cream store in Burgos, I think it was, and we looked at each other and we go, it was kind of cool, and we said, nah, maybe not. We took about three steps and we go, yeah, we're going to get some ice cream. We go in, we get our ice cream, we step out of the ice cream store, and up walk Margie, Sierra, and Rocky. Wow. <laughs> You know, if we wouldn't, if we, if we would have just, if we wouldn't have gotten the ice cream, we wouldn't have run into them, you know. And, and again, I think God wanted us to run into them at that specific time, you know. So, and, and again, that's the beauty of the trail is, is, is walking with the people and uh, finding out their journey. Meeting up with Rocky and Margie and Sierra, uh, I think was just as beneficial for us as it was for them. Oh, uh, us knowing them, it blessed us. Yeah. We uh, mm -hmm. and 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 vice versa. They were blessed by meeting us, and and uh, we'll have lifelong friends there. Mm -hmm. That's awesome. Uh, they were. They said, but if you ever get out west, you you have to stop and see us. Well, we definitely will. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Wow. You know, and, you know, to add to that story, Margie is a walking miracle because she walked the 500 miles, flew home, what is it, a week later or so? Maybe two at the most. Yeah, at the yeah. most. They found out that her artery was just about to burst. Her main artery in her heart. In her heart. Oh, wow. It was just about to burst. It had thinned out to a point, and they said only only 5% of people survive. And they rushed her into surgery, and she's alive. Wow. You know, but to not have it not happen on the walk is, is a miracle in itself, you know. That was Margie? Yeah, it was Margie. Now, had you guys not been there, had you not fed that horse, who knows? You know. Who knows? Yeah. Who knows? What? What? You know? Because she couldn't get a hold of anybody. She didn't know anybody. And we just got there just at the right time. Yeah. God wanted you guys on that walk for yeah. sure. Like mm -hmm. at that moment, like like He wanted you guys to go take that 500 mile at that specific time. Yeah. You know. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. Absolutely. There was there. God has a reason for everything. And, you, and in that concise time frame of 33 days, put your life into that 33 days. We could see God every day doing some type of miracle. Wow. Every day. And that's what he does in our entire life. Yeah. But you can see it more when you're on the, on the, on the trail. Mm -hmm. you, can, you, can, you can visually see things like, whoa, I can't believe that happened. You know? Because it happens in that time frame of that day you're walking. Or you may have done something the previous day that causes something that happened the next day. And, and it, it, it composites it into that 500-mile walk. That's, that's what impressed, so impressed me about, about it. I really want to go on that trail. When, 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 when is your next, uh, you know, when's, what, when's your, what's your plan for the next uh, adventure, the next uh, El Camino? Well, we thought about two years. 
what, 2025? 2025. To mm -hmm. do the Camino mm -hmm. Portuguese. Nice. It's a little shorter, not mm -hmm. a little shorter, it's a lot shorter. Not less than half, isn't yeah. it? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So it's about a probably 180 to 200 yeah, miles. Yeah, maybe 10 to 20 days, 10 to 15 days rather than 33 days. But you get, you know, when you hear people, they, they, they get the same experience. Because you're, you're walking with people, the goal is Santiago, and um, you're still walking along pilgrimages that are hundred years, hundreds of years old. Um, yeah, that, that's the whole, that's kind of the whole, the, the, the reason why I called the, the podcast Ruck Thoughts is because of the, uh, the God encounters you get while walking alone or walking with a group, you know, like in nature. Mm -hmm. um, like in my case, um, you know, I don't get to go out in nature much, so I use my neighborhood as that time to get alone with God. I just throw a backpack with some weight on for to get a workout in and just listen to scripture yeah. and um, and then pray those scriptures back to him. And, and, you know, things, you know, it's amazing how, how that, how, how effective that is, you know, yeah. at, um, at encountering God other times is spontaneous, like in the garage or, or yeah. while mm -hmm. doing chores or something, yeah. God will just meet you there. Yeah. And, um, but these, like you said, it's like, it's like on these walks, it's uh, concentrated, you know, it's like, yeah. it's, uh, mm -hmm. and that's kind of, I'm excited for that. And, you know, so yeah, ruck thoughts, like the thoughts that God gives you while you're on those walks, yeah. you know. You know, and it, it definitely humbles you because mm -hmm. you realize that, you know, your life and everybody else's life that are on the trail are dependent upon one being. You're, mm -hmm. you're, you're just humbled and you're saying, I mean, it's a miracle that we're all here and mm -hmm. that we're all... Um, living and and life does not revolve around you nope. on the trail it revolves around others and and God looking down on you yeah. it humbles you 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 cannot but be humbled when you're walking on it yeah. um, and um, you 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 just know that um, that there is a creator mm -hmm. that there is a God yes and that he still is interested in us just by looking at what's around you I mean we're seeing the the the, the seeds grow you know watching you know the sunflowers grow and the wheat growing in the field and you're going how did evolution cause a seed to grow at the right time and like Jerry said with harvest to know when to die to have that memory to say, okay, it's time for me to dry up. Versus like a tree. A tree doesn't ever die after three months in the ground. You know? Or after bearing its fruit. Yeah. It just keeps going. You know? But how do the different plants know that, oh, I'm a plant that keeps humans alive, so I need to die at this point so that they can harvest me and live off of my seeds unless it's all designed and sustained by someone greater than it all yeah yep. and you you can't help but in i mean when you're walking and you see these these mm -hmm. fields of all these different type of crops and you're going 
this is not by chance it it, it it is not chance at all you know and uh, it's 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 just a creation miracle it's it's even more concentrated when when like when I was at uh, for instance when I was at Trinity College of Florida uh, hearing the missionary stories frontline mission stories um, when you're a frontline missionary and you've devoted your life to God, as you guys have. Um, when, when, you, when you're a frontline missionary, uh, you, there's no atheists. There, there's no frontline missionaries who are atheists, especially <laughs> right. when you're dealing with spiritual warfare yeah. and when you're, in, when you're going into a, a place for the first time, tip of the spear, where, there, where, there, where the gospel has not even reached yet mm. and, and it's completely covered in, 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 in shroud of darkness and, yeah. and there are spiritual powers there uh, holding people uh, in captivity and they don't want you there but th yet when you go there prayed up and in the power of the Holy Spirit surrounded by his holy angels and a wall of fire around you yeah. they have to flee they yeah. have to disperse mm -hmm. and there's all kinds of war that ensues you know yeah. like um, mm -hmm. like I'll, I'll just share one this um, one missionary goes to um, a particular village in Africa, in, in one of the countries in Africa at the time, I forget which time, this, is, this was shared by my missionary professor, and I don't have all the details, but this is, this is just a story that will stick with me mm -hmm. forever. Um, he, goes into the, he goes into the village, and he sees a witch doctor, some kind of a, um, warlock practitioner, um, making a, a woman levitate, and he is so um, mad, and just uh, like, just... Uh, uh, yeah, angry at the fact that he's doing that to her. So he goes and he tries to get her down back to the ground uh, to, to, to rescue her from this this warlock, witch doctor, uh, mm -hmm. whoever this person is, shaman. And um, immediately he gets electrocuted, throw, gets thrown back and unconscious. So he wakes up later and he realizes... Uh, that was a mistake. So he yeah. he goes <laughs> yeah. he goes and he and he and he, he asks God what what does he need to do and God instructs them to pray uh, for mm -hmm. an extended period of time a period of time. So he prays for weeks on end, uh, prayer prayer and fasting, and he. Um, he get he he when God says it's the right time he goes back he sees that same warlock witch doctor or whatever uh, uh, person um, doing the same magic making somebody float and um, he he goes he confronts the person in the power of the Holy Spirit and all that magic like that just stops Dumps. like like has no has no power no authority no jurisdiction yep. gone, gone. and uh, and that that person safely returned to the ground and everybody who's there all the villagers witness that and they're like okay this is different so they talk to that missionary and yep. the missionary starts to give them the gospel and they're like okay we will we will accept your God and we will forsake our gods if he can make it rain here because for for a long time we've had this drought and we don't have crops and it's just dry here and we're suffering so he he says that um when was it elijah or elisha yeah. um elijah right yeah, yeah. so elijah Eli prayed for rain uh, prayed for rain and it rained and then and so um he said i'm gonna do the same thing so he literally in front of everybody in front of everybody he just prays lord please let it rain and the sky opens up it pours rain for three straight days and that whole village 
believes and sure. forsakes their gods and and mm -hmm. and becomes followers of Jesus. The whole village is, is 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 turned over for Jesus, turned right side up, and not just that whole village, but it be, it, it turns into a movement, mm -hmm. a disciple making movement, and that whole that whole nation becomes a christian nation mm -hmm. it's one of the it's one of the places in africa where the whole where the majority of the nation is still christian, christian to this wow. day. Mm -hmm. so um just just from one person so anyway all that to say that what you guys encountered in the camino is 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 just is just screaming uh, god is just is god is god yeah. uh, shouting to us hey i'm here i love I'm you here. i'm here yeah. i'm here for you and uh and that you know like what what missionaries experience in the field every day uh just invalidates atheism invalidates sure. materialism and mm -hmm. sexual secular materialism it invalidates darwinian evolution you know like where it's just uh random chance you know yeah. however god designed this universe i i understand that genesis is literary and there are and there are many literary the bible has lots of symbolic and literary features and it's 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 literature however there's a real story that's being told from genesis to revelation and we we were not there to see how god did it all but we know that he did it and we know that he's the designer we know that everything is sustained and blessed by him mm -hmm. and that at, at any moment he can curse something he can bless something yeah. it's all in his hands He's the one who's doing it all, and yet, you know, he's so patient with us. You know, yes. it's just amazing. That's so the, anyway, that's the beauty of God is patience. Yeah. So all, all that to say, you know, we we have nobody has any excuse not to believe in God. I know. But we're we're being in the West. There's a move of the, of the enemy to keep people either in secular materialism or in some kind of idolatry. Yeah. You mm -hmm. know, away from the truth. Yeah. Blinded. Mm -hmm. You know, all over the world, but especially here in the West. You yeah. Know, mm -hmm. Distracted. From, yeah. from 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 slowing down and experiencing what you guys yeah. experience in the, uh, yeah that's on the, trail. the key thing is slowing down and experiencing it yeah mm -hmm. I think that's a key word the devil wants us to be distracted mm. yeah yeah I Jerry and I many times they said more people need to do this walk it, it's it, it, it is life-changing it really is it gives you a whole new perspective on, you know, your life and, and your experience with God. So what's, what's one takeaway? What's something that, that, um, that you would want anybody who's listening to this right now to know and to walk away with for the rest of their lives? What's, if, you, if you were to distill it down to, um, you know, a, a speech, a small speech or a quick uh, I, I, I'd have to say that life is more than what you have, than the things that you have. Life is relationships. It's creating relationships, it's restoring relationships, and, and it's it, relationships with God mm -hmm. and relationships with, with other human beings. Because um, I you know, you know, it's like the verse, um, you know, where Jesus says, you know, uh, store your treasure in heaven. And I was thinking about that. And I'm going, what treasures do we have in heaven? Because when we get to heaven, the things we had on earth have no meaning to us in heaven. So the what what's in heaven are the people that were here with us on yep. earth. 
And I believe that's the treasure that's in heaven is, is that the relationships that we have gained here on earth are with us in heaven and we can treasure those relationships forever in heaven. Because we're not going to care about gold or silver or our house or whatever in heaven. We're going to be so happy to have relationships with the people that we love. That's... and and the Camino puts that in perspective. It really does. Yeah, seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And all these things will be added unto you. Yeah. Amen. How about you, Jerry? Any closing thoughts? Sorry. Sorry about that. You need to give, give God a chance to talk to you. You can talk to him, but you need to give him a chance to talk to you. Yeah. The Camino definitely did that for me. It gave me time to, to spend, to, to reflect, and to wait for his answer, to wait for his peace to, to come over you. Uh, life is too busy. And on the Camino, everybody's going the same direction. Mm -hmm. Everybody's got the same goal. And... Uh, and it doesn't happen fast. It just happens one step after another. Mm -hmm. I recommend the Camino to everyone. Amen. Amen. Well, gentlemen, I really appreciate you guys joining me on this talk and this uh, conversation, this journey. Um, you know, next time you go on that Camino, please let me know and please bring me with you. <laughs> we'll yeah. be advertising it. <laughs> awesome. Looking forward to it. Well, God bless you guys for listening and um, be with you all. Take care and God bless. And um, we'll catch you next time. This is Rock Thoughts. Out. Out.